this is uh, Dennis Allen's team. Th these are the people that he put in these positions to make these decisions, try and make these throws, try and make these calls in these situations, and it's not working out. And it comes back to him because he's the one who failed to recruit an, a better OC twice. Uh, you know, Pete Carmichael was hoping to, you know, just be the QB, QB coach after Sean Payton left. And Dennis Allen wasn't able to hire anyone as, as an OC. So he had to go and, you know, basically ask Pete to, you know, take on even more responsibility when he was thinking it, he's going to, you know, take a step back and wind down his career. And now all of a sudden he, he, he's in a tough spot every week. And Derek Carr is the quarterback who Dennis Allen looked at and said, oh yeah, he's the top 15 QB. We believe that's what, that, what he can be. We're going to pay him like it and hamstring our roster for the next three years. And that's where, and that's where we are now. And they had no excuses going into this game. They, like, like I said on uh, X, the, the platform formerly known as Twitter, they had the healthiest roster in the league. They had the easiest schedule in the league, and they are lucky to be a 500 football team right now. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Sigler. John, of course, the managing editor of the Saints Wire, which is part of the USA Today Network. Our podcast available on Spotify, Apple, all those different platforms. So find us, subscribe, leave us the, what is it, a four or five star review, John? I don't know. Hopefully you're getting five stars. That's all I got to say, because you're, you're excellent. I appreciate that, guys. Hey, Max it out, whatever it is. We appreciate you. Appreciate everybody turn, tuning in each week and uh, got a lot to talk about here at the bye. We do. Yeah, we do. And, uh, and, and that's how you can support us by subscribing, leaving those reviews. We appreciate it. And John, I just let's kick things off this week. I just kind of want to let you sound off, right? Last week you coined the Vikings game as I'm kind of paraphrasing a little here, but you kind of it was kind of a line in the sand kind of moment for the Saints, right? They're more than likely going to be a playoff team this year because they ha have had and will continue to have the easiest schedule in the league by far. Uh, they were playing a Vikings team with similar aspirations, a team that had been playing some good football. They were five and four as well. But they had some clear disadvantages, right, that you thought could work in the Saints' favor when you factor in the recent quarterback change to Joshua Dobbs. He had just got there. Justin Jefferson remaining out with the hamstring. And even TJ Hawkinson was banged up to the point where the reports were he was only going to play on passing downs. He was kind of limited, but he didn't he didn't look limited. He was pretty freaking good in that game. But, uh, you know, it's just a long way of saying it was a measuring stick kind of game for the for the Saints, for Dennis Allen's defense, for Derek Carr in the offense. And how did the Saints respond? Well, John, you had a kind of a perfect tweet that I think Saints fans really gravitated to. You, you tweeted, easiest schedule in the NFL, healthiest roster in the NFL, nothing to show for it. Um, so that definitely hit the mark for Saints fans. Uh, they were engaging with that one and agreeing with you. Uh, take it a step further for us now. Like who's in your crosshairs after the Saints? You know, we all know what happened. Got down 24 to three and weren't able to come back and they lose this football game. Man, there, there are so many dirty hands here, like on the coaching staff, on the players on the roster. It, it's just, it's like, where do you begin? Um, you know, we had a lot of problems come to roost here where Pete Carmichael was kind of just throwing everything in the kitchen sink into the offense over the last month as far as, you know, implementing more motion, more play action, um, getting more creative with, you know, with Taysom Hill's usage, working, you know, e even working in Colin Saunders at fullback, just doing everything possible to try and find a spark. And all of a sudden, we get to a point here very early in this game where they're, they're down, gosh, multiple scores, and all of that just goes out the window. And they, they just fall back on bad habits, and they're just trying to air, air the ball out over and over again. And they're not playing, you know, a style of football that this team is built to play. And they have a quarterback who, you know, they can't win. They, 
uh, we have yet to see if Derek Carr can will this team into a win. Like that, that's not something he has done all year. And for the Saints to be paying him like the 13th best QB in the league, uh, he is not meeting that expectation. And he, he has to draw a lot of criticism here. You know, it's really hard to, to watch when, you know, he gets hurt and leaves the field. And then all of a sudden, uh, Chris Olave becomes a factor again when he wasn't getting thrown to for, for the, you know, two and a half quarters yep. of, of the game. And then he ends up with 90 yards because Jameis Winston actually gives him a chance. Um, you know, Derek, Derek Carr deserves a lot of criticism here. Uh, so, too, to speak, Carmichael, you know, you, you look at it, you're the Saints ranked last in the league in, in play action rate. Uh, they're, you know, I believe they're tied for third with, with or third lowest in a pre-snap motion and, you know, motion at the snap. Um, it's just a it's, it's, it's a lifeless, listless offense right now. And they're not doing anything to try and help themselves, you know, fool the defense or catch them off 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 balance or anything. Uh, you, look, you look at it too. I, I believe that that they rank last in yards gained from defensive pass interference on, on, on you know the opposing defense here. For for as often as the Saints get penalized in coverage, uh, they just don't get those breaks going their way, and it's it's just hard to watch. And you look at all these things going wrong, and the poor execution, and the poor play calling, and this is you know this is uh, Dennis Allen's team. Th- these are the people that he put in these positions to make these decisions, try and make these throws, try and make these calls in these situations, and it's not working out. And it comes back to him because he's the one who failed to recruit a better OC twice. Uh, you know, Pete Carmichael was hoping to, you know, just be the QB, QB coach after Sean Payton left, and Dennis Allen wasn't able to hire anyone as, as an OC, so he had to go and, you know, basically ask Pete to, you know, take on even more responsibility when he was thinking it, he's going to, you know, take a step back and wind down his career. And now all of a sudden he, he he's in a tough spot every week. And Derek Carr is the quarterback who Dennis Allen looked at and said, oh, yeah, he's the top 15 QB. We believe that's what he, that what he can be. We're going to pay him like it and hamstring our roster for the next three years. And that's where and that's where we are now. And they had no excuses going into this game. They Like, like I said on uh, X, the, the platform formerly known as Twitter, they had the healthiest roster in the league. They had the easiest schedule in the league. And they are lucky to be a 500 football team right now. You go, you go back and look at the week one roster compared to the week 10. Uh, they had one player out of their top 22, you know, all, out of every, all, you know, you know, all 11 starters and the backups on both sides of the ball. The only player who was missing was a backup defensive end and Peyton Turner um, on IR. And he, even now he's, he's the only player on injured reserve who could return later this year. Like, they, they just had no excuses. You know, you had had a, a cupcake roster. We were, we were talking about, you know, earlier this year, man, Trevor Lawrence might be the toughest QB they face all year. And they're, they're just losing winnable games. They're getting embarrassed. And, you know, here against Minnesota. And this is a game that, yeah, th- this is the type of opponent they, they could expect to face in the playoffs if they're able to hold on to the NFC South. It's going to be a team like Minnesota or Dallas or – you know, Seattle, the, 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 those three are all really clustered together in, in the wild card race. And so it's going to be one of those three, the Saints are able to hold on. And if they can't hang with the Vikings here, why should we believe they'll be able to in January? And that's kind of what this, the whole premise has been is let's be good enough to win, win a bad division, host a home playoff game, and then see where things go from there. And even that seems like it's it's too much for Dennis Allen's team. It's it's really disappointing to see. 
yeah, I mean, we don't want to be a paper tiger, even if we're playing at home in the playoffs, right? It's it's a tough situation. This this feels like a tough loss. I mean, we were talking about another 500 football team, John, before we hit record here, and it was the Bills, right? The Bills just fired their offensive coordinator and Ken Dorsey. The Bills lost that brutal Monday night game against uh, the Broncos where they screwed it up at the end. The 12, the 12 men on the field penalty. It was just all kinds of chaos happening there. And the bills respond by well, now, now Bill Vinovich can throw a flag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, was Vinovich. Of course it was. Yeah. You're, you're never going to miss that guy's face when you see him. He, it's still in your dreams, John Vinovich's face and his voice just talking to you each night. But yeah. Uh, so the bills, respond now. I don't know if it was Ken Dorsey's fault that uh that there was 12 men on the field and I'm I, I think the Bills offense actually went down and scored the go ahead touchdown in the final two minutes. But nevertheless the the Bills have been poorly coached on offense. Josh Allen has been struggling and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So uh, the Bills decided, well, we're not going to bench our quarterback and Sean McDermott, you're not getting fired and you've got too much in the bank of goodwill. So I guess Ken Dorsey's head's going to be on the stake. The Bills de- determined that was a head on a stake kind of game, right, John? And and sometimes that happens in the league. And Ken Dorsey might be a scapegoat, or or I don't know. But the Bills decided to make a move to change things up and and take a shot. Was this a heads roll kind of game for the Saints? I mean, totally different situation, but they're in the same kind of spot. Five and five. Derek Carr. It seems like the fans are kind of out on him. Uh, fans don't seem to want to you know to be believing in him at this point from based on what they're seeing. Pete Carmichael, like. I don't know. Is this a game where the Saints was this a heads roll kind of game, John, or have they not quite gotten there? I know Pete Carmichael's still here. We're speaking on a Wednesday, and DA's already said that Derek Carr is going to be the starter after the bye week if he's healthy. So we know heads aren't rolling, but should this have been a heads roll kind of game coming out of Minnesota? Yeah, I don't know that this was like a you know heads on heads on pikes situation, but this was a must win game to me. Like this, this was something they could not afford to lose, and they went and lost it, and now. Now, these are the kind of conversations we have to have afterwards. And, you know, change is needed now. Um, they, they've got to do some things differently. They've got to get different people in different positions. And I just don't have any confidence that they're going to that they're going to do that, that they're going to be able to do that. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Like, what are their other options on the coaching staff and, and guys who, who can call plays, who have called plays before? Uh, really, it's just one. It's Ronald Curry, the QB coach, who, who everybody loves, the pa- passing game coordinator, um, and he, he's he's called a couple of preseason games. So I I don't necessarily blame Da for not wanting to throw him into such a bigger role right away, but at the same time, it's it's like man, you've got to do something because what you're doing right now is not working. And whether that means you know you know benching some starters who are not getting to who are not doing their jobs whether that means shuffling responsibilities for, around behind the scenes you got to do something differently and, and there have to be consequences for for these things i, I mean if, if <laughs> i hate this analogy <laughs> but it, it gets thrown around all the time um if, if we had the the uh the, su- the success rate the win percentage that dennis allen does uh we wouldn't have to hold on to a job as long as he has like that that's just the reality here um so th- things have got to be things have got to change uh, for things to improve here here with the Saints here in New Orleans. But I just don't have any confidence that the people in place, you know, are are, are going to see it that way that that they're going to take action, even if it's obvious for you and me and the whole world to see it. Da already announced Carr will be the starter. We know that. My read on this, John, is that Dennis Allen. I mean, defensive coach, obviously. 
my guess is that he prefers the more conservative, maybe less flashy, less turnover prone Derek Carr to the wild, wild west version of the Saints when Jameis takes over. They are just two completely different versions of a quarterback when they come in. And when Jameis comes in, it is just it's a different vibe. I'm sometimes I'm here for it, but sometimes I'm like, oh man, uh, you you just see it all, and we all we saw it all in in the Minnesota game, right? Jameis is throwing crazy touchdowns that you know based on you know the the sports science like I had no chance of actually happening, but he got it done, and then he started interceptions, and it's like, okay, here we go again with Jameis. Uh, so I, I know fans are are they've kind of seen enough of Derek Carr at this point, but what's the alternative, right? I mean. Is going back to Jameis Winston the alternative? I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like it's not. Uh, I think you kind of have to stick with Carr. Uh, but it, you know, is Da doing that just because Carr? Is it because Carr gives the Saints the best chance? In in reality, is it because he's the quarterback Da has always liked going back to his days with the Raiders? Uh, or is it because the the Saints have tethered themselves to uh, Carr contractually? Have used as you've written about John on Saints Wire. I mean. Is there chatter out there that the Saints should go back to Jameis? Or I, I don't know. I'm just seeing a lot of Derek Carr chatter, and I'm just wondering what your take on that is. Yeah, man, it, it's sink or swim. Uh, they're, they're they're with Derek Carr. I mean, that's who they're handcuffed to, and th- there's no other option. Like like benching him and starting Jameis, that, that's not going to happen. Dennis Allen has no appetite for that. He has no interest in that. Um, it, that that's just not realistic. That that that's not going to happen. Bar, bar, barring you know a significant injury and in, 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 some something catastrophic, that that's not going to happen. Um, and it's really on Carr to step up and be the quarterback that the Saints believed him to be, and that the Saints are paying him to be. He he he's got to play better, and he has not done that. And he he's in a lot of ways he he's been the guy that you know all of his critics said he was uh, when the Saints uh him is someone who, who's going to check the ball down too often, who, who's, you know, too gets too anxious uh, throwing down the field, who just isn't a great fit with the weapons they have, you know, outside of Alvin Kamara. Um, he, he's just not, it's just not working. He's not playing at the level that he was expected to. And it, it, it's a real problem. And, you know, I don't know how they get out of it because they, they can't bench him. You know, they, there, there's no, they can't fire any coaches and make it make a big difference. They're, the, the team is what it is. The coaching staff is what it is, and that the, they just have they just have to be better than they have been here through these last seven games, and, and you know hopefully to the, get into the playoffs. Um, you know it, they, they bet big that Carr was going to just walk in and fix all of their problems offensively, and that has not happened. And you know the, I'll, I'll, I'll 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 say this: the, the Saints have not fired a head coach in season in my lifetime. And that's not going to happen now. I, I just don't see that changing. You know, as long as Mickey Loomis is the GM, as long as the Benson family owns the team, it's it's not happening. And you know, I, I look, I understand people don't want to hear that because they won't change. Uh, they, 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 you know, they want you know the cavalry cavalry to come in and save the day. Uh, but it, that's just not the situation we're in. That's not that's not the reality uh, of the, the the circumstances here. So, Carr has got to play better. DA has got to, he and his staff have got to do a better job preparing this team, putting players in position to make plays. Um, and they've got to go out there and execute. And they, they haven't shown they can do that yet. And I, I completely understand if fans don't have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to start doing it, you know, coming out of the bye week. Yeah, it's well said. And and then on the defensive side of the football, John, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but 
because we've been talking about it every single week, but the slow starts on defense, like it's just been frustrating. The Saints can't figure them, figure it out They're They're just a much different team later in games than they are in the beginning. They were down 24 to three at halftime in this one. The Saints, I mean, the Vikings were, were moving the football uh, and doing what they wanted uh, in that first half. It was frustrating, but when you factor in, I think a glaring issue with the Saints, it's something that is now a pattern when you, when you look back at their games Quarterbacks rushing the football. The quarterbacks have rushed for 287 yards on 51 attempts against them. So that's that's an average of 5.63 per attempt. I believe that number includes the kneel downs and obviously teams like the Patriots with Mac Jones or the Titans with Ryan Tannehill who don't have rushing quarterbacks. So any rushing, you know, there might be a one or two yard rush from those guys that doesn't really that shouldn't really factor in, but it it still weighs down that number, right? So that is that 5.6 yards per carry is a generous number. It's probably even worse than that. The Saints have routinely struggled against the Joshua Dobbs type, right? The guy that can run, the guy that can scramble, the guy that can pick up third down conversions, um, you know, kind of off the cuff, right? Dobbs rushed for 44 yards. Tyson Bajant was up around 70. Trevor Lawrence was up around 60. Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love, Bryce Young, all these guys uh, hurt the Saints with scrambling and designed runs, right, John? It's become, uh, it's become a pattern. It's become a problem for the Saints. They're struggling against against these quarterbacks. Is it fixable, right? I think that's my question. Is it a, is it a personnel issue? Is it, are they are they too slow? Are they struggling on the edges against these quarterbacks? Is it just poor scheming? Are, should the coaches have figured out an adjustment by now and they just can't figure it out? I mean, this was a talking point going into the game against the Vikings because. Yeah, Joshua Dobbs might not be Kirk Cousins, but in ways he 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 can hurt you in a different way, and that's with his legs, right? And he brings that element in the same struggle there. So, is that fixable? I guess uh, just to circle back to that question. Yeah, that, that's really been an execution problem more more than anything else. Like we're putting guys in position who have made plays here before, who have done a good job spying QBs before, who are suddenly missing tackles and getting caught flat footed. You know, a good example here from from the from this Vikings game against Dobbs, uh, Pete Werner was the primary spy in the first half, and he just consistently was taking bad angles and ha- had his back turned w- when it shouldn't have been, and he was just out of position over and over again, and Dobbs was just rumbling for, you know, t- just dozens of yards at a time. And Pete Werner, you know, he, he's been, he, he's, he is their most athletic linebacker. Like, like no disrespect to Mario Davis. You know, you put those two in, you know, in, in a straight line, uh, r- racing head-to-head, Werner is going to come out ahead. And he, he was just, you know, constantly caught, caught out of position here. Uh, Tyra Matthew talked about that you know, after the game. He said, look, this is something we studied on tape all week and we prepared for. And we knew that Dobbs was going to run on us and try and make plays with his legs. And we had to be ready for it. And, it, and you know, he made plays anyway. And we got beat. And you, you can't have, you know, guys who have started – just hundreds of games at this point in their careers, like Tyra Matthew, like Demario Davis, like Cam Jordan, who are getting you know shook shook out of their boots in in those plays, and that's what it comes down to. It's execution, and they're they're not, you know, they're not fulfilling their their assignments on these plays. They're they're not getting to their spots. They're not making their reads and reacting on time, and it, 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 it's a major problem, and it's happening week in and week out, and. You know, like like you know, like, like Matthew said, um, this is something we've we've been preparing for, and it's just not translating from the classroom to the field. And 
how this connect is happening happening i've got no idea but and, and unfortunately it, look, it looks like a you know didn't sound might feel the same way that's something they have got to get figured out here during the buy yeah it's concerning john they're identifying issues and they're talking about it and practicing it and then they're going out and not not fixing it on the field so that's it's not not a comfortable situation but the saints somehow despite all of our chatter here and, and all our talking points coming off of this rough loss the Saints are, are actually in a pretty comfortable spot when you look at where they're at on top of the NFC South entering the bye week. I guess in terms of their standing and their in their schedule, they're in a pretty good spot to still make the playoffs. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more depth coming up next. But first, let's get some week 11 fantasy advice from the huddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 11. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers versus Los Angeles Chargers. Not only has Los Angeles given up the most passing yards per game to the position at just under 316, quarterbacks have scored a rushing touchdown on four occasions this year, and no team has allowed more, which is a nice little bonus to consider. This is the best fantasy matchup of the week. And Love faces a defense that has granted six 23-plus point performances in nine games, and they haven't picked off a pass in three of the last five outings. This matchup is 22.7% better than average in the last five games. Running back Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Three straight games have passed since Pollard made it into double-digit PPR land, and he has posted only one stat line worth more than 10.5 PPR points since week three. The Panthers have allowed running backs 1.33 rushing scores per game on the year, and the 15 total touchdowns in nine contests gives hope for a strong showing. This is the second weakest unit at slowing the position. In the last five weeks, Carolina has given up the fourth most rushing yards and the tenth most total yards per game to running backs. Only eight defenses have permitted scores at a higher rate. Stick with your stud running back in this one. Speaking of struggling studs, Calvin Ridley, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Tennessee Titans. The former Atlanta receiver has been all over the map in 2023, and the last four games have seen him post three lines with fewer than seven PPR points apiece, and a six-catch 83-yard game to headline that stretch. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. There's a quality opportunity to get on track this week versus a Tennessee unit that has permitted wide receivers to average the 13th most catches and the 12th most yards per game since week five ended, and a dozen squads have seeded touchdowns at a higher clip. On the year, eight receivers have gone for at least 16 PPR points against the Titans, and Ridley should make it nine. Tight end Trey McBride, Arizona Cardinals at Houston Texans. McBride was a fantasy monster in Kyler Murray's first game back from injury, and he's a de facto number two receiver in this offense. Houston has given up the second most catches per game to tight end since week six began, and this is the third weakest unit at limiting PPR points on average in that time frame. Nine teams have been bigger pushovers when it comes to limiting scores. Expect another strong day from the young tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we are back. Uh, John, the Saints making some some moves and also updating some injuries from the Minnesota game uh, and, and beyond, I guess. But let's start with uh, let's start with Jason Pierre-Paul. He is a uh, a player. I'm not sure how much he's got in the tank, but he should be fresh, right? He should be fresh. He's coming in, and uh, he impressed enough on that workout to get signed to the practice squad. Do you think Jason Pierre-Paul could? could bring you anything here in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think he could be an asset on, you know, like obvious passing situations, third downs, things like that. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I think the saints are expecting from him. Um, we, we, we should, 
you know, maybe temper expectations a little bit here. Like he's not going to come in and all of a sudden, you know, be starting games and taking reps from Cam Jordan or Carl Granderson and just, just taking over like that. that. That's not what he's here for. That's not the expectation the Saints have. So it's a good pickup. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad the Saints did something because uh, right now they're tied for the fifth fewest sacks in, in the league. They've, they've got 18 sacks going into week 11. And that, that is just, that's far beneath their standards. That's far beneath league, league average. Um, and, it, it, and it's obviously, it's not good enough uh, to help them win football games. So ho- hopefully JPP can come in and, you know, make some plays for himself, uh, set up his teammates to make, to make some plays, uh, come into a couple of games off the practice squad, hopefully make a difference until, you know, Peyton Turner and Isaiah, Isaiah Vosky, young guys like that who are dealing with some injuries until they can come back and, and get into, get into the lineup. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun flyer, right, John? Maybe he can get some sacks. Maybe he can swat some balls at the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? He's, he's kind of a long guy. He's a veteran. He can get in those passing lanes. So we'll see what kind of impact he can make. I think the other big news coming out of, you know, kind of the few days after this game against Minnesota where where was Dennis Allen updating some injuries, Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore, two big names. And then DA uses the word significant when talking about his, their injuries. And it's like, what, 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 what are you, what are you talking about? Especially Michael Thomas, anything significant with him, you, you got to worry with his injury history. You hope he's not dealing with anything, anything too bad. Uh, but, Lattimore, especially, uh, he's a player that I think you wrote. You wrote this line on Saints Wire, John. You said he's irreplaceable when he's when he's playing his top game. And uh, uh, Lattimore, if he's out for an extended period of time, it looks like a high ankle sprain. Guess it's decent timing if this is going to happen going into the bye. But a high ankle sprain can be a multi week thing. So, how concerned are you with the injuries to Thomas and Lattimore based on what we know right now? Yeah, so Thomas is what concerns me more than anything um, he, he, here, j- just given how they're talking about it, everybody and what the injuries are dealing with. Um, just because he's somebody who has been through so much with injuries over the last few years, you, you hate to see him have a setback and and, and, and miss time after, you know, after he, I mean, gosh, he, he lost years of his, his, uh, his prime, of the prime of his career to those ankle injuries and multiple surgeries and botched surgeries and cleanups and all this. And for him to come back and, you know, re- redo his, pay- his contract, take, take a huge pay cut and do, do everything that he can to be a good teammate and a good leader in the locker room and lead this team. And then for him to have adverse ad- more adversity like this, it's like, God, the guy, the guy can't kick can't, can't, can't catch a break. It's it, it, you hate it for him. Um, I will say one, one like silver lining there, I guess, is is that we are we, we should get to see more from A.T. Perry, uh, who who had a pretty had a decent uh, outing here career coming in in his first uh, his first couple of catches in the NFL. He had had a twenty three yard pickup, a, a fifteen yard touchdown, which really was like a forty five yard touchdown uh, given from where where Jameis threw threw it from. Um, so so maybe that. Anytime Thomas misses, uh, could benefit Perry and getting him some more NFL experience. So hopefully that works out. But as for Lattimore, I, I know that's probably the more high profile injury of the two. Um, that's the one a lot of people are, are sweating. I, it's weird. I'm not as concerned about him just because of what the depth, depth chart looks like behind him. Uh, the Saints have have a have you know arguably the best backup corner in the league in, in Isaac Yadam who came in for a Debo in a few games early this season and just played out of his mind. Like, like he had like, gosh, just multiple passes defensed, uh, saved several touchdowns with tight coverage. 
Um, dude just played out of his mind. And 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 so if he he would be the one filling in for Lattimore if he has to miss a couple weeks. And I feel good about that. Like I have a lot of faith in this guy, a lot, a lot of confidence in his abilities based off what we've seen from him so far. And I, if the, you know, I've, I have been as critical of Dennis Allen and his staff and, and his decisions as, as anyone, you know, arguably probably more critical than a lot, than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but the one, th- one of the things that he does just exceptionally well is draft and develop and prepare these defensive backs and, the Saints have just been a factory with these DBs and finding guys, finding free agents, and putting them in a position to, you know, make make a play on the ball and, you know, be be a positive asset to the team. And I, I have no doubt that if Yadam has to start some games, that Da is going going to do a great job getting getting him ready. So that's something I'm not as worried about. That even if Lattimore is, you know, a top five, top three cornerback um, in in this league. You know, I still feel good about that position, given the guys behind him. The Falcons, though, they're on a three-game skid. They just lost games to the Titans, Vikings, and Cardinals. Not exactly uh, played their best football. You got any early thoughts on the Falcons? As bad as things may get with the Saints, as sour as I might be uh, on them at times, I I will never, you know, predict a loss to the Falcons or look for one or hope for one or anything like that. We we need the Dirty Birds to lose twice a year, every year for the rest of my life. That, 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 That that. that is the, the, the goal here. We got got to keep that rivalry going. Got got to keep got to keep uh, re- stacking wins in that rivalry. And but you know you look at them and in a lot of ways the Falcons and Saints are, are pretty similar teams right now. And in, in, in that they they both you know the strength of the rosters are their defense. And you know for, for, former Saints assistant assistant coach Ryan Nielsen is doing a great job coaching that uh, Falcons defense. He's got a lot of former Saints players over there. Um, you know, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, most uh, prominently, and he's just he he's looking like another one of those guys who may have gotten away from the, from New Orleans a bit. And he, he's doing a really he's doing a really excellent job, um, getting after the quarterbacks, making plays, and getting those guys ready each week. Offensively, that that's kind of where I'm not not as concerned because for all the talent and all the top ten draft picks and all the years of of continuity that we've seen. Um, Arthur Smith, Falcons coach, just cannot will this team into scoring points. They, they just can't figure it out. It's wild. Can't figure out how how to get how to use Bijan Robinson in the red zone. Can't you know you know throw to Kyle Pitts in in the, in the red zone. It's just it's just a mess, man. And I'm not worried about that at all. Now it does look like they're going to be going back to Desmond Ritter. Uh, uh, Taylor Heineke, you know, took over when Ritter got benched for a few games. Uh, Heineke got hurt last week. Ritter's back in the lineup. It's looking like it'll be him. him yeah, moving forward, and he's not someone I'm worried about. Like like the Saints have beaten him before. A lot of teams have beaten him this year. He, he he's just not much of a threat. He's not as much of a threat as a runner as some of the other QBs that the Saints have faced. Uh, he he will just wilts under pressure. He 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 can make some nice throws, but he's so inconsistent with it that you don't worry about it as much. To me, this is a game that the Saints should really. It, it, this is even more of a must-win game than the Vikings game was to me. You, know, you look around the NFC South as the Saints head into this bye. Uh, you know, maybe like who who you're rooting for uh, this weekend. I mean, obviously the Falcons are off. The Panthers, they're just out of it. They're one and eight. They're going to be one and nine soon. They got Dallas this week, and Dallas is red hot. So the Panthers are where they're at. The Bucks are also four and five. So they're still kind of lurking around. They beat the Saints head to head, but it looks like they'll be four and six, right, John? Because they've got the 49ers on the road. I'm not giving the Bucks a great chance to go out there and win that game. So. 
The Saints at five and five, even though their wins are against Ryan Tannehill, Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Gardner Minshew, Tyson Bajant, those kind of quarterbacks, those kind of teams. The Saints are still going to be in the driver's seat in the NFC South coming out of the bye week, going into that game against the Falcons and with a chance, John, to beat the Falcons and start building a big cushion, right? So uh, a strange season to say the least, but the Saints look about as likely to make the playoffs right now as we speak as the Eagles do. It is just what a world we live in, huh? (laughs) This is wild. Yeah, dude, like we, we could come out of this by and it could be the Saints and Falcons playing for the division. Like, yeah, that's that, it. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Um, so, yeah, you know, you know, look, I, I don't need to tell tell Saints fans to root against the Bucks, root against the Panthers um, and, and think of it that way, because at the same time, I, I know there's old school fans who, who would rather croak than root for the 49ers. Um, but it, it, th- this could we, this could very easily, very quickly become a two team race in the NFC, NFC South. And that that is the goal for the saints. Like that, that was their stated goal this year is we to win this division. And the next step in that process is is going to be, you know, knocking out the Falcons when they come out of this bye week. So God, hopefully they can get it done. Hopefully we'll be talking much more about that game next week as we enjoy uh, a weekend off a break from saints football. John, I don't know if you need that. I'm sure you do. You guys, especially you, you guys work very hard on the Saints wire. You deserve a Sunday off to recharge. I don't know if you got any plans or if you're going to work through this weekend, power through, John. Uh, what's going on this weekend? Should, what, what should folks be looking for? And what are you up to? Oh, man. So we're just really getting caught up with our midseason con- con- content here. We're looking back at the first 10 games. Uh, you know, what were the surprises? What were the things that stood out? What are the things that, you know, obviously need to be, need to improve? Um, we're, we're kind of recapping everything that's happened thus far. Something else that I've been working on on the side is a uh, it's a it's a where are they now piece on the different coaching candidates that the Saints met with and interviewed and expressed expressed interest in before they hired Dennis Allen last year. So it's like a huh? What, 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 where's Doug Peterson these days? Oh oh, he beat the Saints in New Orleans. I, I love I love where's this. Flores? Oh, uh, the Saints lost to his defense last Sunday. Ah, see, <laughs> it's like ah oh, man, um, fans will uh, like that one. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 that, that that's going to be a heater. That, that that that's. I think that's that's going to be be my uh, my my fastball this weekend. So keep keep an Love eye it. out for that. Um, and and then we'll be looking, you know, you know, plotting out these these last seven games. Uh, which games look like wins? Which ones look like losses? What are the must win games? I mean, you know, for, from frankly, every game from here on out has got to be a must win because the Saints cannot afford to fall fall back much further. So we're just keeping up with everything that's happened this far. What's ahead of us and. uh and man, hopefully we can we can get back to talking about a winning football team in a few weeks. That right there is John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. As always, we appreciate you guys for joining us on the podcast. We hope you stick around all season. Tell people about it. Leave us that four five star review. I'm, I for, I got to go check John how many stars you can leave. I think it's I think it's five. Leave us all five if you could. That that would be great. And uh, we will be back next week as always to talk more. Maybe coming out of this bye week to preview this Falcons game. Looking forward to it. And we will catch you then.